Well, good morning. How are you? Are you warm enough? There's something about being in a room when the uh, Christmas decorations are on. You just want to flip the, the switch. Where are the lights? You know, it's the, a little bit of the anticipation, but uh, man, I think it looks pretty cool in here. A little different. Thanks to everyone that came out. Uh, next week, we'll actually uh, flip the switch and Advent will begin and we'll start this awesome month of anticipation. And uh, pretty excited about the series we're going to start next week. It's all about light breaking into the darkness. And uh, we're going to celebrate in different ways throughout the month. And uh, we just invite you to be a part of that. But we all know we're just a few days away, hours away from the big table, the Thanksgiving meal. At your house, what is the dish that you are looking forward to the most? What's, is it grandma's potato salad? Is it the cranberry sauce? Is it the turkey, the ham, whatever? What is the one thing you have in your mind right now? I cannot wait till Thursday. Whatever time it is that you have your meal, what is it? Share with your neighbor real quick what you're looking forward to. 10 thing. I hear 10 things over here. All right. Uh, we'll, take, we'll take a few. Uh, over. Just, Georgie, what are you looking forward to? Turkey, turkey, all right. Ripley, what are you thinking? What are you looking forward to? Green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody else, just yell something else out that you're. What's that? Something souffle? Carrot souffle. Man, that sounds like fancy carrots to me. Uh, it's impressive. What's that? Fried turkey, ooh. That, I've never had a fried turkey before, ever. I've heard about these things. Uh, the thing that I'm looking to, forward to the most, in fact, it's the thing I look forward to the most every single meal. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of bland, I guess. I love the bread. I love bread. I love rolls. I love Cracker Barrel biscuits and gravy. It has to be white gravy, though, uh, with the pepper in there. I love croissants with honey. I love flaky biscuits in the morning. You can't have just the regular biscuits, the country, whatever. The flaky biscuits that you can take the layers off. I love it with jam. I love bread. I love bread. And we've had a little debate in our house. What is the best restaurant for bread? Okay, and there's a couple of different arguments. Maybe you're going in your mind. Red Lobster Cheddar Biscuits. They're up there, okay? Uh, have you ever been to Cheddar's before? They have those croissants, honey croissant things. Delicious. Any other nominations here? Are we going to debate this? I heard Black Eyed Peas. Cheese Texas Roadhouse. Good stuff. Cheesecake I've never had bread at Cheesecake Factory. I just have the cheesecake. I didn't know they had other food. I'm joking. I've had other food. I can't remember their, their bread, though. Lots of good bread. Maybe we can continue this debate at lunch, but bread, man, I love it. 
I love it. Can't wait till we till Thursday. Uh, in fact, my sisters, we would uh, we'd ar- always argue when the bread basket came around the table. It's like we have strategically have to decide who is going to get the last roll, uh, and you're arguing over that. Sometimes I remember two other sisters. We divided we divide several rolls into thirds, and uh, oh, she got a bigger path than I did, and blah blah blah. But love, love good bread. We're going to talk about that in a second. But before we get there, I want us to take a look at a story. I love this story. It's in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, it's the the end of Luke, and uh, we have just an extremely uh, visual narrative story we're going to take a look at. Luke chapter uh, 24, it's the story about the road to Emmaus. And if you don't have your Bible with us, we're going to be looking at it on the screen. Uh, In fact, there is a, before we get to the, the, the the uh, scripture, there's a painting that maybe you've seen this before, a Swiss painter by the name of Robert Zund. He, he tried to paint a picture that depicts what we're going to look at, this road to Emmaus this morning. And when I look at scripture, I try to make, I just want to see it in my mind. I'm a very visual learner. And so as we go through scripture this morning, maybe you want to jot down pictures. Maybe you want to kind of paint a picture of what you think the road to Emmaus looks like. But we're in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to start with verse 13. And it says this, Now the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they had talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stood there, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus says, what things? So what do we know about this story? We've got a couple of travelers, all right? We know one of them, his name is Cleopas, and we know that they're disciples of Jesus, but they're not the original, one of the original 12. Could it be possible that it was Cleopas and his wife? that were traveling down the road. They were leaving Jerusalem. This is post-crucifixion. Friday, Jesus was on a cross, and now it's Sunday, and they're going back home. Could be Cleopas and his, and his wife. There's a reference of a Clopas uh, in John chapter 19 that Mary, the wife of Clopas, was at the cross. It could be Cleopas, and they just left out the E. Cleopas and his wife, Mary. It could be two disciples, just two random guys that are walking down the road. We don't know exactly who it is, but what we do know is this. They're leaving Jerusalem. They're heading back home now. And uh, suddenly, this guy comes up beside him on the road, this person that they don't recognize. We know it's Jesus. And what different stories, different accounts will say is this. It says something to the effect of, but their eyes were prevented from seeing that it was Jesus. Now, there are a lot of theories. What could happen, have happened? Why couldn't they tell it was Jesus? Was it that he was wearing some kind of like disguise? Was it like a silly mustache kind of disguise that I don't I don't know if it's Jesus? I always thought it was funny that when Superman was in like his you know, the old Superman, when he had his uh, tie on, he's Clark Kent, but now he's Superman when he pulls. Like, how did they not see that it's the same person? Uh, maybe it was a disguise that he was wearing. Maybe there's a theory that, you know what, he had just risen, and he wasn't completely 
fully human form again. That could possibly be it. Maybe, you know, there's some suggest that God like hid their eyes, almost like put a veil over their eyes that they couldn't tell that it was Jesus. Either way, we know this. These guys knew who Jesus was. They were, they were disciples, but they could not see that it was him. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what happened that day. I don't know why they couldn't tell it was Jesus. And as I've read scholars and books, no one can really tell you an exact answer. Do you know what happened that day? Do you know why they couldn't see? I don't know what your theory might be. But they couldn't, they couldn't tell it was him. I, I love the fact, though, that Jesus takes advantage of this situation. That here's a chance. Jesus has just come back from the, Everyone thinks that he's dead. And what does he do? He comes back incognito and is like, hey, I'm going to. It's almost like an undercover boss episode here. Maybe the first undercover boss episode where Jesus is like, I'm going to just hide and see what they say about me. And uh, that's kind of what I would do. If, if I were Jesus, I would be like, let's find out what they really think about me here. Uh, so what do you think about this Jesus? Was he uh, handsome or was he, you know, just kind of asking questions. Have you ever wanted to know what people really think about you? Like, what do they say about me when I'm not around kind of, kind of situation? Maybe, maybe that was happening here. There, I heard this story of a pastor, new, brand new pastor of a church, 10,000 people. Uh, and he was being introduced his very first Sunday to church. And uh, no one really knew who he was. And so what he decided to do on that first Sunday was to dress like someone that was off the streets, someone that was living in a cardboard box. And uh, he comes in at this 10,000-person church and out of all the people that were there, only three people greeted him. In fact, he came and sat on the first row, and the ushers came and escorted him somewhere else so he wouldn't be a distracted distraction for someone. And then, of course, uh, they introduce our new pastor. Welcome, our new pastor. Ah. And they look around, and the guy steps up and walks toward the front, and mouths begin to drop, and he preaches a sermon about how we should be the hands and feet of Jesus. Ooh, be interesting to be in, the, in those seats that morning. I don't know why Jesus posed that way that day, but uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see the conversation that comes after that. Because Jesus comes up to him and he says this, so what are you guys talking about? What's going on? And these two travelers, they turn to Jesus and they're like, are you the only person that doesn't know what's just happened in Jerusalem? Everybody and their brother knows that Jesus was just crucified. This would be, we've, we've, we've read on the news and seen 50th anniversary stuff of JFK this week and the assassination. That'd be like coming after the day after the assassination saying, so what's going on? What's in the news? Where have you been? That's what these guys are saying here. What's going on? And so they begin to talk and they say, well, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And we keep reading in the scripture. They replied, he was a prophet, a power, he was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and, and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a, a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, 
but they did not see Jesus. The ultimate irony here is these guys are talking to Jesus about Jesus <laughs> as they have this conversation. And they begin to chat and like we had hoped. We had hoped that he was gonna be the one. In fact, for the last few years, our hopes were high. We had seen some amazing things. We had seen lepers healed. We have seen prostitutes change their profession. We've seen sinners come and sit at the table. We've seen thousands fed with a boy's lunch. Our hopes, we thought that he was going to be the one. But then Friday came. And we saw with our own two eyes, our hope just destroyed. Whereas Jesus was beaten and he was whipped and he was flogged so badly I can't imagine what his back looked like and he would put on a cross and these two guys probably witnessed the six hours of Jesus hanging there barely probably not even able to, to hold his body weight as nails were in his hands and his feet they saw that they saw that final spear being jabbed underneath his rib cage by the soldiers and I wonder if they thought, huh, I guess when something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Hmm. What are we going to do now? We had hoped. I guess we'll go back home. And they started on their way. Have you ever lost hope before? Have you ever had that feeling? And, and as they're walking, when you lose hope, it's, it's, it's pretty depressing. You get into this kind of funk and you see things differently. Um, I wonder as they walked, they just had this meandering conversation back and forth. We lose hope. I, I've lost hope. I lost hope last Sunday. I mean, I gotta be honest. I was with the Texans all the way till last Sunday. Said, okay, if we just went out, we go nine and seven. The, division, the conference is pretty bad this year. We'll sneak in. We can do it. But when that last fourth down pass uh, was incomplete and the ball hit the ground, I was like, nope, not going to happen this year. Man, I thought this was going to be the year. We got, we got Ed Reed. We got a, a, finally got a second receiver that's going to catch the ball. And oh, man. And you just kind of had this slumping shoulders kind of. Uh, I lose hope when I watch the news. And I, I've, I don't know if you've seen the news this week, but it's been, it's been awful. We've seen stories about people killed in various places right here in, in, our, in our backyard in Cyprus. It's depressing. I lose hope when I see the bickering and the fighting and the divide in our country. Red states, blue states, back and forth, just constantly back. Just there's no togetherness. And there's just constant, has it always been like that? It just feels like it's gotten to this place that is just, ugh. I, I lose hope when I go back to uh, my, the town that I was born in, Selma, Alabama. It's, uh, I was born just a few miles from the Edmund Pettus Bridge, where Dr. King marched a group of people from Selma to Montgomery. And... Uh, I hate to tell you that when I go back there, I still see the divide in people's eyes. 
the judgment between each other that's there. My sweet grandmother, I've seen her play the piano on Sunday morning and then at at the Sunday uh, lunch table refer to someone as the N-word. And lose hope. I lose hope uh, when I see a story in the news this week about a pastor who was at a a restaurant and uh, decided not to leave a tip because they felt like that their waitress was, was gay. And so what are they? They leave it in a comment in the receipt that said, you know what, uh, I'm sorry, but I can't tip because I do not agree with your lifestyle and how you live your life. I lose hope when I see people mistreated like that. I lose hope when I hear of people who relapse after fighting and say, you know what, I'll never do that again. And what happens? Again, happens. I lost hope the day that... Uh, Scott Ostendorf, pastor of my church, my home church back in South Carolina, my parents' pastor, he found out that he had pancreatic cancer. And he believed, and actually the church believed, they just believed that God was going to heal Pastor Scott. And he fought hard for over a year. But then he died. Hmm. It's a tough day. I don't know if you've lost hope. Maybe you're looking at a hopeless Thursday where you're thinking, if I can just get through this meal on Thursday with everyone, without World War III happening, then I'll be happy and we'll maybe make it to Christmas from there. It's tough when you lose hope. You see things differently. You see the world differently. You see people differently. It's not a good place to live in. And that's the situation we find these two guys. They have lost hope. And they're heading back home. In fact, they even saw a report that, that maybe the, the tomb is empty. Maybe something's happened. We heard some of the, the women say they didn't even stick around to find out. They said, forget it. Some things never change. I'm heading home. And they started the seven miles back to Emmaus. But then this traveler jumps in. He steps in and begins to, to chat with them. And he says this. He said, how foolish are you? you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken, that all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus interrupts. And as Jesus can, he kind of has this tone to him that is like, how did you not see this? How did you not know this? It's similar to the tone, I don't know if you remember, in Luke chapter 2, he's 12 years old. Uh, Mary and his, uh, Jesus' dad, Joseph, go to town for the Passover. They leave. They can't find Jesus for three days. You remember that story? They go back to the temple, and they find him and said, we've been looking for you everywhere. Your mother is sick to death. And what is Jesus' response? How did you not know where I would be? I'm in my father's house. Of course I'm going to be here. And he kind of has this, it's kind of this confident almost like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory without, without the snarkiness of, of that. He just has this, you, you, I, of course I'm, I'm here. Of course, this, and, and that's the kind of the tone of this scripture. And he says, don't you see this? Don't you see this throughout scripture here? 
And he begins to explain through all the scripture and say, this is from, from Genesis to Chronicles, the Hebrew Bible, everything is pointing to this Messiah. And this Messiah is going to be different. And the script is different because in their mind, they saw Messiah as this. Messiah is going to come and he is going to reign and he is going to deliver us. But that's not the Messiah Jesus described. And it's not the Messiah in Scripture that points to him. It's a Messiah that was born, that would suffer and die, but he would be resurrected again and bring new life. That's the Messiah. That's the story here. And that's what Jesus begins to explain. But sometimes you have to hear things multiple times. And even when you see it, it doesn't fully click. I pride myself. I'm very good I'm going to be a little boastful at figuring out movies. I, that's what I do. When I get into a movie theater, I'm like, I want to figure out the end of this movie. I'm going to, I want to get to the end point. Who did it? Who killed who? who? And, and I, I know that I, I probably annoy my wife with the, okay, it's him. No, 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 it's him. Okay, no, no, no. All right, I messed up that time, but it's this person. that I try to figure out what's going to happen in the movie. Do you do that when you're, okay. Um, there's one movie that completely... Just, it got me. Totally, I did not see it coming at all. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The Sixth Sense. I, I just totally blown away. I, if you haven't seen this movie, basically it's a story about a, a little boy who's going through some problems. It's fictional, by the way. And it's a little scary. But he sees, uh, he sees, remember, dead people uh, through the movie. And uh, so the whole movie is about his struggles with these uh, with these visions and different stuff. And so Bruce Willis is a, the psychiatrist that's trying to help the little boy out. Well, you don't know until the end of the movie that he is actually dead too. And you're like, no way. How did I not see that the whole time? So the other night it was on USA and I watched it again and it's become so obvious. I looked and I'm like, of course he is. How did I not see that the first time? I wonder as they're, as Jesus is opening up scripture, and they're like, wait a second, I've never seen that before. And suddenly it's starting to come alive, and they're like, now I begin to get it. Now it's starting to make sense a little bit, and I wonder if it started to click for them. I wonder even if they were like, wait a second, if you're telling me this Messiah suffers and dies and comes back to life, maybe it's true. Maybe what we heard this morning is true. No, it can't be true. It, it can't be true. I saw, I saw the nail prints. I saw them go, I saw them put him in the tomb. Forget it, we're going back home. And they keep walking. And they finally get to their, their, their destination. And as they approach the village to which they were going, Jesus acted like, I'm gonna keep going. And they said, hey, come on in. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And then these words, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and then he broke it. And what did he say? He broke it and he blessed it. And something magical happened, that, something mystical as he handed the bread. Suddenly their eyes opened and they could see that it was Jesus. Now, if it was me and if I were Jesus, as they took the bread and their eyes were open, I would have said, boo. 
But, uh, you know, knowing Jesus, he probably looked him right in the eyes and winked at him before he vanished. I wonder, as that bread was passed, as Jesus broke it and blessed it, I wonder when Cleopas grabbed hold of the piece of bread, I wonder if he actually saw the nail prints in his hand as he took the bread. And I wonder if his eyes traced up to Jesus' eyes. I wonder what that was like that day. In my mind, I, I kind of uh, see, it, uh, see it one way. There is a, um, I was in Starbucks this week, and I don't know if you've seen these videos before, uh, but soldiers coming home, and they surprise their kids. They surprise. I, I, got a, I just started watching one, and I think I watched 50 of them. Uh, but I just, uh, why don't you take a look at this? Maybe this is what it looked like when they realized that it was Jesus. Now, at Starbucks, if you were on Starbucks on 1960 a couple of days ago, you would have seen me like this. Because when you start weeping in public, we can, we'll fade in from there. I think I watched 30 to 50 of them. It's, it's amazing. Maybe that's what it looked like. When their eyes were open, maybe it was that instant moment of shock, and then suddenly, it, it's true. He's alive. He's here. I mean, oh, that'd be awesome. Now, I wish that I could tell you. I wish I could wrap this up for you neatly. And, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just not smart enough. Maybe I should have, you know, I think a super preacher guy would have some kind of acrostic here about with the word eyes. Now, if you just do this and you do just do this and you just do that, then your eyes will open. Then you'll be able to see God and see him. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know how that happened that day. I don't know how suddenly their eyes were closed and now they were open and they could see Jesus. I can't explain it to you. That's the mystery of who God is. It's not always X's and O's. It's a beautiful mystery when eyes are open and they see for the first time and they, they see Jesus for who he is. It's a beautiful thing. Here's what I do know though. Jesus wants to be seen by you today. He wants to reveal himself to you. And he reveals himself to people that lean in, that lean into him. Let's listen to some scriptures here. It says this, Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. If you draw close to God, if you draw close to me, he will draw close to you, and James tells us. In Acts 17, 27, it says this, God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not very far from us. He wants to be revealed to you, and he reveals himself in different ways. He does that through scripture. We saw that on the road to Emmaus. Jesus opens up the scripture and suddenly they begin to, as they said, their hearts begin to burn. I don't know if your heart has ever burned like that before. Sometimes it happens through scripture. Sometimes it happens through worship. I've been in my car before and I've been all by myself listening to worship music and suddenly I just kind of glance over because I, can, I promise you it feels like there's someone else there because there is someone else there. He reveals himself in, 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 in conversations that we have, in fellowship, through other believers. 
God speaks and he moves and eyes are opened. That's the mystery and that's the beauty of who God is. And let me tell you, when God opens eyes, we see the world completely differently. Completely differently. Politicians maybe can start to see each other differently and start to work together to to help our country. Maybe instead of all the bad things that are happening in our neighborhoods, we would start hearing some good things on the news about the the great things that are happening in Cyprus. Let me tell you what happens when God changes eyes. Grandmas, sweet grandmas from Alabama, they embrace their great-grandchildren and see people differently. When we have new eyes, we have conversations with people and we respect people and we love people even though they're different than us and they choose differently than us. And we love people despite those things when we have new eyes. When we have new eyes, people that relapse, they get up, they wipe themselves off and they fight again. When we see things with new eyes, you remember that story about Pastor Scott? I, was, I watched on a video screen his funeral when something happened. I don't know if I've ever seen it at a funeral before. The, we were watching it on a screen, Melanie and I, and the first person, this person over here on the row stood up in the middle of the funeral and started praising God, just total abandoned, just totally surrendered, praising God, arms lifted up. I had to squint to see who that was. It was his, his wife, Candy. She was able to praise God just a few days after her husband died and suddenly a ripple effect. The whole church, not just standing and singing, they were standing and worshiping at a funeral because the cross was Friday. The grave, the stone has been rolled back and Jesus is alive. There is hope and there is hope for your family too. I don't know what Thursday looks like. Maybe you're saying to yourself, you know what? Situations, they just don't change. People don't change. The world doesn't change. Let me tell you, those are old eyes. Jesus wants to to give us new eyes. You remember what he said when he was with those disciples, when he sat down with them? They were the words that are very familiar. He took bread, he broke it, he blessed it, and he gave it to them. And that's when their eyes were opened. It sounds very familiar to a, a couple of chapters before where Jesus takes bread. It was the night in which his, he was betrayed. He takes bread, he breaks it, and he says, this is my body that was broken for you. I have to tell you guys, um, I love communion. I think there's something so special about it. I think what happened that day and what happened that night, I don't think God wanted us to celebrate that three times a year. I believe that when Jesus said, do this as often as you meet, that that just, remember in Acts chapter two, when he said the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching in a prayer into the what? 
to the breaking of bread. So I really believe that when the disciples met and when they had bread, as the tradition back then was, that the head of the house, before the meal, they would take bread and they would hold it up before God and they would, they would ask and say a prayer and they would break the bread and they would pass it to their family. I believe that when the disciples did that, they broke that bread, they made eye contact with each other and they said, oh yeah, do you remember? Do you remember when? Do you remember when Jesus broke the bread? That wasn't the, that wasn't the end, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of hope. That was the beginning of new eyes that we could look at the world a different way. And it's a beautiful thing to celebrate. And that doesn't happen, doesn't have to happen just in this place. It can happen every time we meet together and we look at the bread. Maybe from now on when you see the bread bowl, maybe we could begin to look at a little different place. I love bread. It's awesome. And not because just of the croissants and the honey. And I love it because this is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. He's the one that gives life. He's the one that gives hope. Now this morning, we are going to uh, take communion. It's going to be a little different. It's going to feel like a family because that's what we are. At your family and my family, we have bread bowls, or bread baskets that we pass around the table. And everyone takes a piece. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to have communion as a family. And there are going to be servers, and they're going to come on the outside of the rows. And they're going to serve the first person on the, in the row. And then we're going to pass down the bread and pass down the cup. In our church, we believe in open communion. You don't have to be a member of our church. You just have to believe, be a believer in the, in the Lord. And the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you and for your sins. And then he took a cup and he said, this represents my blood that was shed for you and for your sins. Today, if you say, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to partake of the elements. That's totally fine. You can pass them on to the next person. This morning, let's celebrate as a family, new eyes new hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be served now by uh, around the room. Let's worship him. So the bread has been broken. Now their lives have been changed. These two, what did they do? They were probably slowly walking back home when that bread was broken. broken. Life was different. And what did they do? They ran back to Jerusalem. They ran back to Jerusalem and said, you're not gonna believe this. As they met the disciples in the upper room and they began to tell of this new hope. And that's where it is for us. As we have seen God revealed to us, it's our job to tell and to share this new hope. You can be seated. Pastor Michelle is gonna come and she's gonna tell us about some things that are happening in the family. God is good, isn't he? This morning we want to celebrate as a community the good things that God is doing in and around us. And um, the first thing we want to celebrate is the fact that we have the opportunity to provide children from the Montrose Street Reach gifts 
for Christmas that otherwise they would not be able to give. We have over 100 children that, that won't get Christmas gifts um, unless we help. So the ushers are going to come. They're going to pass out um, names and for Montrose. If you would like to sponsor a child this Christmas season, if you'll just raise your hand, they'll pass them out to you. Um, I have instruction, though. We need you to please tear off the bottom part and hand them back to the ushers when you're done. That assures that we know that who's got who and that every um, child will be accounted for. So that is a privilege. That is a, an honor and a blessing for us to be able to serve those children. Faith promised last week, you'll never guess how much money you guys gave for missions. $83,100. Amazing. And that does not even include Spanish ministry yet. Last year, we got 83600 So we will surpass. God is doing more this year than he even did last year. So praise his name. Uh, another, we have a birth. Um, David and Jen Gutierrez had a baby a few weeks ago, Audrey Gray. So congratulations to them. Caleb Kennedy. Uh, Caleb has struggled the past few years um, with just life, just been a little bit lost. And last Sunday, he went into the army and he was able to do that because God changed his life because his eyes were opened. So we say praise God for Caleb and we just continue to pray blessings on his life. Amen. As Matt said last week, we had three couples get engaged. We had a healing. John Snyder, I didn't get his permission, but he, the doctor said they saw a mass cancer again. He went in to have it tested. It was gone. Praise the Lord for that. God healed him. Mary McGinnis received spiritual healing along with other women from the women's retreat a few weeks ago. Praise God for that. We're going into a season of giving and serving. Um, we're going to be able to help uh, people at nursing homes not feel so lonely. We're going to be able to go and sing. We're blessed to be able to do that. We're going to serve Montrose Dinner. We're blessed to be able to do that. We got new carpet down in the kids' rooms. You guys have given faithfully, and, and God has allowed us to renew our house uh, for when visitors come. Uh, we got new carpet. We got new tile in the men's bathroom. Every room in the church has been painted except for three, which we will get to. That is all because of you guys. Pastor Matt, Pastor Garen, and I, I know that I speak for all of us. We are so thankful to be able to serve you in this body of Christ. We're going to go to prayer, and as we pray, the, the prayer jars are open if you want to bring your prayer request up. But just want you to... Think, uh, think about the things that God has given you that you can be thankful for this season. Let's pray. Father God, you are good to us. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessings that you have poured over us, God. We thankful for your mercy, for your grace, for your forgiveness, Lord. We're not worthy, we're not deserving, but you bestow on us all of your blessings because you love us. God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you that we can have joy despite our circumstances. God, we thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding. Even when we, we're going through things and we don't understand what's going on, we can still have your peace, God, and we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that we have roofs over our head. God, I pray for those this week who will feel the loss of a loved one or just don't think they have anybody to celebrate with. 
or anything to celebrate God. We know that to be different. God, and I just pray that you would open their eyes and that you would show them that you are right there with them. God, we thank you that you will be there. Lord, we love you today. We ask that you would be with us this week, that you would just remind us, open our eyes to everything that you have given us. Nothing we have, we have earned. You have given it all to us, God. Help us to be so aware and so grateful and so thankful, Lord. Thank you for this body of believers. I pray that you would continue to unite us and continue to do great things through this church, Lord. I pray for our community, Lord. I pray, God, that as they're around the table this Thanksgiving, that, that they could be thankful for their families and for this place. I pray that, that you would bring those people to this place. I pray that you would show us how to go out into this community and change lives for you, Lord. I thank you that you go before us no matter what we do and you come behind us. I thank you that your angel armies are surrounding us, God. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for and it's all because of you and we know it and we confess it. We love you this morning, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.